When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on today's game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your bet. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. And there's endless ways to make it rain with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in today's game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. Stan McKee, that was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Lackerson, and he puts that guy down. Lackerson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards. He shoots. He's going down to the Tays. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Rolling back. Sobel and drives. Get the Gretzky. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tays. you got to break away. Tays to win the game. Hawks win. Hawks win. Down to the Tays. Brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. Fry the Coop. And by the Cincinnati Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is indeed the Mark Andre Fleury Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James <laughs> Nabo from NBC5. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of best-selling authorship fame of the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, the, uh, the little Freudian slip there in the intro kind of... Uh, Indicates the type of game that we had tonight as Marc-Andre Fleury's basically the only reason the Blackhawks were able to beat the Vancouver Canucks and right the ship after a uh, pretty embarrassing evening in uh, Edmonton last night. Yeah, if you missed the game, the Hawks beat the Canucks one nothing in Vancouver. Brandon Hagel scores the Hawks' lone goal, 40 saves. 
for Marc Andre Fleury, and a lot of them very difficult. <laughs> a lot yeah. of them were very, very difficult saves. Uh, just an awesome game for Fleury. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and and the Canucks had a, a pretty solid edge in shots on goal, forty to twenty four. Uh, especially in that second period, they were really taking it to the Hawks. But we're going to get to all of it. Thanks for joining us. I want to tell you about our social media and all that stuff. Where uh, you can email us madhousepod at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram madhouse underscore pod, and we're on Facebook madhouse hockey pod. That's the Facebook page. Uh, we've got a T public sale going on starting Tuesday till the end of the week. So if you want to pick up some merch, you can do that. $13 classic tees in any color. Uh, coming to you with our logo, some NHL 94 design sort of stuff, some really cool stuff in our T-Public shop. So check the link in our bio for that. And if you missed it, uh, Sunday night, I published the audio of our little hockey authors roundtable that we had this weekend at Bookies with Tab Bamford, Evan Moore, and myself. So it's a little bonus episode of the Madhouse podcast that was published on Sunday. So if you missed that, look back an episode because it was only up for a few hours before this one was. So you've got probably two fresh, I'm uh, two, whoops, two fresh Madhouse podcasts. Squeeze me, what? I know, <laughs> two fresh uh, Madhouse podcasts. Wait, it's Thanksgiving week, man. My mind's on the food. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so tons of good stuff to listen to, and we appreciate it when you do. So like we said, Hawks win, one nothing. Hagel with the goal. Marc-Andre Fleury, ridiculous. Uh, a lot of help from the crossbar and posts today, too. I think four Canucks shots rang off the iron. Um, but look, man, the Hawks did what they had to do to get the points. But um, there are some issues here. You know, we saw <laughs> the Edmonton game really shined a light on that with just a lot of unforced errors. And I saw a lot of the same in this one, too, James. Yeah, I think that... Uh, you can't go away from this game feeling too great yes they did get the two points but I think that as you alluded to a lot of the things that we were kind of seeing them do poorly against Edmonton kind of carried over and I think that the thing maybe that upset me a little bit more than some of those uh kind of lapses on defense the kind of poor passing the passing up on shots which is something yes. that Eddie Olchek had mentioned during the first intermission I believe it was the Blackhawks were just passing up wide open shooting lanes routinely in that first period just not a very good uh, sound offensive game plan I know we've talked about this before on the podcast where a team goes on the road you kind of end up going into a little bit of a pattern where you try to simplify the game a little bit just get the puck on net that's kind of the uh, that's always the mo that we preach but it's especially important on the road when you can't dictate matchups and things like that you want to just kind of make the game a little bit easier on yourself and the Blackhawks clearly were not doing that in the first period of this game and I think that some of the defensive lapses are exacerbating that for sure. But I think the thing that kind of annoyed me more than those elements of it is just the fact that they came out and looked so pedestrian and so flat tonight. I was looking for, I know it was second night of a back-to-back -back and a really tough back-to-back, -back, going from Alberta to British Columbia and then having to play at 5 o'clock local time. That is not an easy trip for the Blackhawks to take. A little bit odd that the... NHL schedule makers have them leave Alberta and then they're going to go back and play the Flames later this week. Um, that's another topic for another time. But I think that it was just very odd that 
after kind of getting pantsed in boat race last night, you would have thought that they would have looked at tonight as kind of an opportunity to pick up a couple of points. It's why they had Marc-Andre Fleury play tonight. The Canucks have not been playing good hockey recently. But you couldn't tell that by the way that they came out and absolutely handed it to the Blackhawks, especially in the second period of the game. I just was not a big fan of the kind of Blackhawks collective lack of intensity. Like I said, I do get it. This was the second night of a back-to-back. Those are never easy. But with the amount of off time the Blackhawks have had recently, I feel like they can kind of carry over a little bit of energy from game to game, even in a back-to-back. So I wasn't really a big fan of that. Yeah, uh, that that's a concern for me too. And I think much of what we saw early in the season where the Hawks feel like things are not going well, they press and like you mentioned, the, the the lack of willingness to shoot the puck, the extra pass here and there, trying to make the perfect play, um, I, I'm seeing a lot of that again. And remember, when, when Derek King took over and the Hawks started having some success, why was that? For Everybody from coach to player talked about keeping it simple, making the simple play, moving the puck with speed, moving the puck quickly, not you know, trying to dance your way into a goal, and we're seeing it from top to bottom. The only line whose game I really liked today was the Taves line. Taves and Hagel and Strom were really just kind of, they had some times where they were cycling the puck, but they were doing it with a purpose, right? The rest of the team, you're seeing a lot of like, okay, they'll get into the zone, then they'll put the brakes on, then they'll look for the cross-ice pass, and then that won't happen, so they'll turn it over, then they're back chasing. It's like you're not going to make a highlight reel play every time, and this is what we were seeing as the season got off to a really slow start and the Hawks were really pressing, they shouldn't be feeling that way again. And, and there's a couple things I'm, I'm not, I'm not being critical. Well, maybe I am of Derek King here, but I just want to say like, I get not changing anything when you initially take over and you've got a crush of games, right? But last week you had what, like five days off or whatever it was. Yep. That's the time where you start to implement some new stuff. And the sooner they eliminate the drop pass offense, the better. Because all it does is lead to turnovers. And look, I've been singing the praises of Seth Jones all year. The last two games, he has had some disastrous turnovers where yeah. you know he's alone, he drops it to nobody or doesn't know where his partner is. Again, this feels like a bunch of guys trying to do too much. And that's not a, set, a recipe for success. Yes, they got the win against Vancouver. They did not deserve to win this game. And while if you want to dig deep on the metrics, it's not as bad as you probably imagine it would be. It was uh, 53% to 46% in favor of Vancouver in this game. But that's with a 71% second period. Um, so the Hawks, they were missing the net a lot, right? They're, they, they just Their shot accuracy is, is awful, too. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> But like, damn it, hit the net. Like, put the the net has not moved in the history of the game. It's not bigger. It's not smaller. It's the same net that's always been there. Put the puck on net. There's just so many opportunities that the Hawks miss just from missing the net area. And, and that's frustrating, too. And that's sort of where when you look at the shot attempts, it's a little closer together than you might have imagined. But the shots on goal, they got absolutely crushed. Yeah, I think specifically with the defense, especially on a night like tonight, you kind of have to resist the urge to kind of constantly activate and to constantly try the drop passes. You kind of have to take the safer plays on a night like tonight when Riley Stillman went out of the game extremely early with a lower body injury, only played 
I think it was four shifts, about two and a half minutes of ice time. In those types of situations where you end up having a short rotation of defensemen for basically an entire game, you, you can't rely on your speed, your energy level coming off of a game last night, the fact that you're playing more shifts tonight. I feel like the Blackhawks kind of did themselves a disservice with some of the decisions they were making at the blue line, and I think they needed to kind of make some safer plays in that area and then turning that around to the offensive side of things I thought that the forwards were being a little bit too passive too and kind of allowing the Canucks pressure to kind of get to them a little bit and to kind of not allow themselves to take those opportunities when they opened up and you look up and down the score sheet tonight you had Henrik Borgstrom didn't have a single shot on goal didn't have a single shot attempt in the game you have Kirby Doc not a single shot on goal in that can't 19 happen. minutes that, can't that happen. absolutely cannot and especially with who he's playing with yes. you can't have that happen if you're going to be playing the majority of your ice time with Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane you have to be willing to shoot the puck and he hasn't been and I know that we kind of got into this on the last podcast that we're a little bit concerned about uh, Kirby Doc's development. And there were a couple of uh, listeners who sent us some good stats kind of showing that he is making some progress, at least in a, in a few different metrics. But at the same time, when you're looking at that type of play on the ice and you're utilizing the eye test, he, the, the progress just isn't there. And the fact that he was so passive tonight and just would refuse steadfastly to shoot the puck, that's really worrying for me. He needs to be willing to do that, or else he shouldn't be on the line with Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrincat. Yeah, I, I look, I, I see him operating a lot behind the goal, and that's all well and good, but Kirby, you're a big dude, man. Power yourself out in front and try the wraparound attempt. Try to bully yourself out for, for an in-close scoring chance. He is too passive offensively, and I don't know if that's a confidence thing, I don't know what it is, but it's almost impossible to have one shot attempt the entirety of the game with almost 19 minutes of ice time, the majority of which you spend with Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinka, two of the most dynamic forwards in the league. It's almost impossible to do that. And like we said, the other podcast, his overall game He's playing solid defensively, right? The faceoffs need to improve. No doubt about that. But, like, he's reliable in the defensive end. He, he plays in all three zones. All those things are great. But the third overall pick needs to start producing some points. And I know he's only 20, and I'm not by any means giving up on him. But we've got to find the person or the message that's going to get through to Kirby Doc that, look, man, You've got to use your size. You've got to use your shot. You've got to use your hands. They're all great skills and great assets that you have. Start using them. Encourage him to attack and to be aggressive. And maybe if there's a pass he could make to pass it up and take the shot just to get in that mindset of being aggressive and putting the puck on the net and scoring. Because, look, we've seen moments in his career where he's looked dominant. You're like, there it is. That's why he was a number three overall pick. He's got the hands. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got everything except the production. Now, that's always the last part to come, but it's coming a lot more slowly than I would have hoped and what I would have imagined this year. Do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that I, I know this is not technically his first full season, I guess you would call the 
his rookie season, I guess, was kind of a full season. Do you think it has anything to do with kind of the ebbs and flows that kind of come along with that first uh, taste of 82 games in a season? I don't know. I, I just uh, it could be. I just think that he's just not aggressive enough. I just think yeah. he's not looking to shoot. Right. And someone needs to just pound that into his head. He's got a good shot. Right. There's good velocity behind. He knows how to put the puck on that. He's good at elevating the puck in close. Like we've seen that he has the ability to do it. I don't know if I'm ready to excuse it to something other than a mindset, because I do think mm -hmm. there are so many times we'll be watching a game and you'll see him pass up opportunities to score. And that's yeah. frustrating. And, and especially today, I was getting really aggravated with the behind the net stuff, like drive out in front Use your Especially size. Especially on a night like tonight when you've got a couple – you've got some guys that are dragging a little bit. Yeah. You need to get out there and make something happen, period. I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. They are our longtime sponsor. Go get yourself the best hot chicken, the best uh, chicken sandwich you've ever had in your life. They're in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. I'm telling you, if you've not tried Fry the Coop yet, take it from this fat guy. You are going to love it. It's my favorite hot chicken on the planet, and I've tried all the places in Nashville. To me, Fry the Coop is the best of all of them. You'll love it. They've got a great craft beer selection. Go try their Chicken versus Unicorn uh, collaboration with Pipeworks. So many reasons to go to Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out their menu and uh, place your order online or just go pick it up. Whatever you want to do, but you will love it. You can dine in at Fry the Coop as well. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at fry the coop um i don't want to the spend key is to just shove it in your face yeah exactly i don't want to spend the whole episode um just ragging on kirby doc because i think overall he is an asset for this team and i think that it will come i just i need someone to get in his ear and be like shoot the puck we got to get him mm -hmm. like the quarterback helmet with the microphone inside of it so someone gonna say shoot <laughs> shoot <laughs> i just i respect the fact that he's working so hard on his defensive game and that's totally absolutely good. Yep. they do need him to do that if you're going to be a top uh six center in the nhl you have to be able to do that the issue is when you're playing with patrick kane and alex DeBrinkit, that's your role man your role is to create offense to be a facilitator to take some of the pressure off those guys if you're going to be camped out behind the net and being a non-entity that's going to make it harder for those guys to produce and that is the last thing in the world you need to do yeah. All right. Two more guys I want to talk about, too. And, and this sort of piggybacks on the Kirby Doc thing. And Jonathan Taves, I, I already mentioned how well that line played. He was 64% Corsi. Those three, Strom, Hagel, and Taves, were top three. 68 for Strom, 67 for Hagel, 64 for Taves. Um, Not bad for a guy who left the game early with an injury last night. Really? Um, I just want to say, are we at the point now? Where we're how many games into the Hawks season? 18, and Jonathan yeah. Taves does not have a goal yet. Is it is it fair to start saying it's time to score? Like I know we wanted to give him, you know, time to come back and get his, you know, get shake the rust off and all that stuff. Like we are a quarter through the season now. Like it's time to get the rust gone and to start putting the puck in the net. And, and look, the opportunities are coming, and I think that he's playing well in all other assets of the game, aspects of the game. But yeah. the puck has to go in, and I'm wondering if we're getting to the time now when you see the output Kirby Doc had today to put Taves up there with DeBrinkett and Kane. I know you're stacking one line. I know, but you're also – maybe it's time to take a little bit of responsibility away from Kirby Doc 
because I do. Yeah. St- I'm starting to feel like it could be a little bit overwhelming for him. Um, Jay, there are. Let's see. I believe there are four Blackhawk forwards who have played at least ten games this season and have not scored a goal. Jonathan Taves is one of them. Can you name the other three? Um, Borgstrom. Does he have one? Borgstrom might have one. Borgstrom's only played eight games, so he does not. Okay. All right. I, I know for a fact that Kurashev does not have a goal. No, he does not. Um, Hardman. Mike Hardman does not have a goal in eleven games. So I have one more, right? Uh, actually, yes, you have. Nope, two more. Sorry, my two mistake. More. Okay. More. Um, just forwards we're talking about. You know what? You were you were initially right. You have gotten uh Carpenter so far. You got Hardman, and yeah, there's one more. Carpenter, Hardman, and Kurashev. That's yeah. it. I don't think I said Carpenter, but there that's the one I was. Uh, Reese Johnson also doesn't have a well, goal yet this season. We know. <laughs> <laughs> uh by the way, I, the other guy I want to mention aside from Taze was Kurashev. Uh the dude looks lost. I like him. I, I just think that if anyone needs a Rockford reset right now, uh it, yeah. It's Philip Kurashev. And the dude played six minutes tonight. Yeah, and he's taken offensive zone penalties a lot. He just is not now, he assisted last night in Edmonton, a really nice on a two-on-one with a Great pass, great play, credit given to Kurashev, but just overall, his game is severely lacking, and uh, if you're looking at someone who might be prime for a send-down, it's, it's Philip Kurashev, and look, I, I like him. I, I liked what I saw from him last season, but I, it's just not happening right now, and I think that's a dude who could use a reset, and I don't know if they're really ready. It, just from all the things they've said, it doesn't feel like they're going to call up uh lucas reichel yet no but look if you're a team having trouble to score i know people are going to scream at me when i say this but maybe it's time to give alex newlander a look and just see what do you have to lose he makes nothing it's a what is he on a one-year deal right making nothing he can't be less productive than kurashev right now he he simply can't like that's um, by the way 12 games for the rockford isogs this season newlander has five goals that's pretty good yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I would prefer Reichel, but I would also like them to take their time with a prospect for once and not just rush him and, and jam him into the NHL as soon as he shows any sort of, uh, you know, ability to do so. Yeah, seven points in 12 games for, for Nylander. So give Kurashev a break and let's see what Nylander can do here. I don't, I, I'm not, you know, and Brett Connolly's an option too. Uh, he's got five goals and six assists in twelve games. I don't really need to see him. The oldest looking twenty nine year old seriously, in NHL history. Seriously, but we got to figure out um, how that would work cap wise because yeah. I know he they'd have to figure that out. But they do have like at this moment is uh, cap friendly says they have zero cap space. So yeah, not even uh, putting uh, Riley Stillman on long term injured reserve that would not do the trick. Yeah, so, so that's not doable. So I think Newlander is a very uh, if you're looking to make a change. That's it. And I also think, by the way, um, if Stillman's going to miss any amount of time, I've heard really good stuff about how Wyatt Kalnick has looked in Rockford. Mm-hmm. So I would expect that to be the call up here uh, if you know, Stillman is if Stillman's out for any extended period of time. This this brings up a point that I wanted to mention is that uh, Caleb Jones is back. Why the hell is Eric Gustafson still here? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> and I. I liked what I saw from Caleb Jones in his first few games. Uh, kind of limited ice time, but I was very yeah. surprised to see Gustafson 
staying in with Caleb Jones out. It's it's they just, stayed they had him stay in to the point that they played seven defensemen, dude. Yeah. Gustafson <laughs> played nineteen minutes too. Well, I, I mean, that was partly because Riley Stillman left. Well, of the course. Game, but. Yeah, but I mean that that's too much. <laughs> that's too much. That's Eric too much Gustafson of the Eric Gustafson experience for me. <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I'm Ugh. good. I'm good on that. I don't know. It's a, you know. I know that um, that King is sort of feeling things out, learning the team, and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know. I just I want to see Caleb Jones play. I I, I want to see Wyatt Kalnick up here. Yeah, I was surprised that he started. That they sent him down when he me came too. back. Maybe they're just trying to get him up to get his conditioning up, which makes some sense. But yeah. um, from reports, he looks pretty good in Rockford, and I think uh, you know someone's got to come up if Stillman's out for a while. And that looked bad. And they they had the camera oh, nasty. They had the camera right on him when it happened, like the close up mm-hmm. glass camera. And Steven Nelson was like, "Oh boy," <laughs> he knew right away. <laughs> by the way, by the way, drop dropped. Uh, hold on to your butts during did. the broadcast tonight. I don't know if I ever recall Pat Foley saying that. Um, no, he said some other more unfortunate things. <laughs> <laughs> but I do I will say this. Um we have not really talked about that at all. And we could probably get more into this on a long form podcast. But all these new voices, many of which I'm fine with. Like I think they've been okay. Steven Nelson is aside from Wideman has been my favorite pet Foley replacement, but guys like Foley whose voice have like that gravitas to them. That that's a that's a dying breed, man. Like there's just mm-hmm. not a lot of announcers like that anymore. Um, that just make the game sound big with their voice. And I think there's some guys who have been like Joe Buck has been around huge games and Jim Nance sort of the same thing, but Foley's got that old time, like that really distinctive tone and and sort of the um I don't know what you would call it, like the 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 up and down nature of his deliverance. Mm-hmm. Like you, without even hearing the words he's saying, you know how the game and how the play is developing. I think we're going to miss Pat Foley more than we think we are when he's gone. That said, I thought Steven Nelson. I didn't last night's game. I was watching among friends, so I didn't have the sound up, so I didn't get to hear the Edmonton game. But I thought he sounded great in the game against Vancouver and a, a little bit of humor, kind of. Similar kind of a vibe to Jason Benetti. Exactly who I was going to compare. Yeah, like the not taking it too seriously, um, but also like delivering where he needs to deliver. And I think um, Adam Amin is a good example of that, too, who's doing the Bulls games now. Yeah, a lot of good young broadcasters. But if I if I have to pick, you know, if I'm voting for my candidate now, I want Wideman to stay on radio because he's so good and he is a radio guy. I mean, tremendous. That is every second of the play. From John Wideman, which is outstanding. And then I would vote of the guys I've heard so far. I think Steven Nelson has been the best um, by a significant margin. Not to say the others aren't, aren't haven't done a good job, but I just think that uh, Steven Nelson's really, really good. And I like his I just like his whole demeanor. I think he mm-hmm. he fits what they're looking for. So hopefully he's the guy they uh, they peg. We'll, we'll see. We it's got some time of, to think about it. It's kind of been an interesting trend uh, replacing Neil Funk with Adam Amin and replacing Hawk Harrelson with Jason Benetti. They are kind of going toward that younger style of broadcaster, the guy who does get excited. Obviously, Benetti gets excited when the White Sox make a big play. Amin does the same thing with the Bulls. This is not to say that they're too even keeled or monotone or whatever it is, but I do see your point about Foley. His voice does kind of hit up an octave and kind of rise to the occasion. I like the fact that he balances that out with 
pretty liberal doses of criticism of the team as well. I think that that's something that if Steven Nelson's in the booth full time, I'm willing to bet that he would kind of sprinkle that in a bit. There was a little bit of it today. He was talking about the game being kind of boring and not a lot going on. Yeah. You could tell, I thought from night one to night two, I thought you could kind of get the sense that he was growing more comfortable with it. I think that that definitely was noticeable tonight. I think that he's done hockey broadcasting before. I think he does a fantastic job doing World Junior Championship games on NHL Network. Yep. Uh, Has some baseball experience as well. Has hosted some shows on MLB Network. So he's a well-rounded broadcaster, but I do think that out of the guys that they've kind of brought in so far, he does kind of strike me as the um, kind of the guy that is similar to moves that have been made in other play-by-play positions by NBC Sports Chicago, bringing in Adam Amin and Jason Benetti, that you could easily see that mold applying to Steven Nelson if they wanted to go in that direction. Well, I think, so you mentioned it, like the trend of going young. And I think that's the way to do it now because here's the thing. Anyone that's in Pat Foley's demographic that is not an established air quotes legend, right? In whatever sport we're talking about is, is going to be as cookie cutter as they come and it's not going to translate. So I think the best thing to do is find your next guy. Who's going to be the voice of your team for a long, long time. That's what the Cubs did when they brought Len Casper in and he left unexpectedly. But if Len Casper wanted to be the voice of the Cubs until the day he retired, he absolutely could have been that. He decided to challenge himself and do radio, which is his first love. And he always has always wanted to call a World Series. So that's why he left. Um, but like, I think the move is now bring your guy in, have him there long term, develop him, make him the voice, make him the face. And I think a lot of these young guys like Benetti and Amin and, and Steven Nelson and others, that's the sort of thing they should be looking for, because you're not going to bring in some other team's legend. You're just going to have to try to you know, bring that next generation of your broadcast team in. And I think the Hawks have a good start. I know people don't love Colby Cohen. Um, I, I like him a lot. I think if you listen to what he's saying, he is giving you more than you think he is. You know, like he's, he's giving you some insights. If you, if you know how to listen carefully, he's telling you what you need to hear. I thought he had some really good insight about the Hawks power play and mm-hmm. how he was saying the puck was along the, the dasher too much. And when the, Killing team sees that it means go attack the puck. I'd never heard that before. I thought that was interesting. He's got good insights. He's close to the players. Um, So give him, I think give him more of a chance than I think a lot of Hawks fans have. I know he's, you know, air quotes, kind of a pretty boy and whatever. And I know what (laughs) they wore the turtlenecks. Yeah, you heard us, Colby. You're a pretty boy. (laughs) They looked like two porn stars with the turtlenecks on. I, I, I put that on and I was uncomfortable. I was like, oh. Ugh, I don't know what the Ron Burgundy <laughs> thing going on with these two, but whatever. It was funny. Um, um, but anyway, I, I was going to say that I think with Colby, his uh, my stance on him so far is I really have liked what he's done in the studio yeah. show portion of the program. I think that he's clearly a natural there. I think he's kind of feeling his way through doing some in-game analysis. I think that that's something that, you know, you can grow into that role fairly smoothly I think Mm -hmm. especially if you have the good knowledge base that he does and he's demonstrated that in the studio show format and I know they're two different skill sets but they do kind of complement one another so I do think that he can become pretty darn solid at it but you you kind of mentioned this with Foley and 
if with Eddie Olchek, if they decide to go in that direction and replace both of them, it is so hard to replace guys like that who are so well established. I mean, there's a reason that Eddie Olchek is kind of the national color commentator of the entire league basically yeah. there is a reason that he has that role and there's a reason that Pat Foley has been with the Blackhawks as long as he has these guys are absolute cream of the crop and if you ever want to kind of achieve that again you're absolutely right you do have to go kind of younger and kind of in a different direction you're not going to poach uh, some other organization's legend for sure yeah absolutely not buddy good podcast thanks for jumping on the Hawks improved to five and one under Derek King. It's kind of unreal. Um, so big week ahead. James and I are going to the Hawks game together on Friday against the Blues. That'll be fun. So if you see us, say hello. Um, but yeah, man, have a good Thanksgiving. I hope I, maybe we'll talk before then, right? I don't know. We'll see what the week brings. But one way or another, take care of each other. Have a great week. Remember, our T Public sale begins on Tuesday the 23rd and goes through the 30th so if you're looking for some any sort of christmas gifts from t public it doesn't even have to be madhouse podcast stuff but if you want to do us the favor and use our link anything you buy at t public through our link we get credit for so even if you don't want to buy everybody madhouse podcast stuff which of course we'd appreciate anything on t public you get you use our link and it's going to help us out so keep that in mind as the holidays approach as you do some shopping for some novelty tees. It's not just t-shirts though, it's hoodies, there's mugs, there's tumblers, there's uh, posters, anything you can imagine with our logo or any design on it you want, uh, you can get it at TeePublic. So take advantage of that sale. The link to help us is in all of our social media bio. So for my partner, James Navo, I'm Jay Zawoski. Hawks win one nothing on the back of Marc-Andre Fleury's 40 saves. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Cincinnati Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.